Hello, and welcome to Broadcast, monthly updates from the Newton's Darkroom Collective. This last month, we went on a road trip. It took us all the way through California to the Bay Area for one of the largest broadcasted marble tournaments out there. We'll get to the trip in just a second, but first, I want to tell you about one of my favorite podcasts out there. Moonbase Theta Out is a sci-fi podcast for Monkey Man Productions. Season 1 is incredible, telling the story of a lunar base from short official transmissions. The subtext behind these restrained recordings give it a heavy emotional weight, a weight that they delve further into in Season 2, which is out right now. Featuring a full cast of voice actors and guest stars, Moonbase Theta Out is a poignant and well-crafted trip to the moon. Stick around after the show for a trailer of Moonbase Theta Out and to find your next favorite podcast. Now, without further ado, let's get back to the broadcast. Crash the Cosmic Crackshot is our composer, and a giant space being that lives out by Saturn. And he's been feeling a little left out. While we're all down here on Earth, playing with cats and Roombas and getting into all kinds of hijinks, he's stuck out there in space. It's hard for a being like that to interact with our world in any kind of personal way. He can subtly wave from the stars, but he's a slow-moving constellation, and so that can be a bit difficult for us to pick up. We noticed something was wrong with Crash when he started sending sadder and sadder songs. It was starting to become a real bummer. We had just released Cochlea, our new non-fiction podcast, and we were pumped. Then we would get music from Crash, and it just really harshed our whole vibe. We realized we had to do something to help our friend. I called a meeting, and we all congregated in the dining room to discuss what we could do to cheer him up. Our first attempt was playing happy music from the massive speakers we strapped to the roof of our house. Unfortunately, it started to rain a bit and the speakers shorted out, starting a fire on our roof. Ununfortunately, it was raining, so it wasn't too hard to put out the fire. Next, we tried writing something for him to read. We ordered a whole ton of glow sticks from Amazon, and when they arrived, we cracked them open and poured their green glowing goo onto the streets of Cal Island. Quick tip. If you are ever going to spell out a giant space message in glow stick juice, make sure you have enough people to do it properly. By the time we finished the whole phrase, only the last few letters actually had enough kick to keep them glowing. To be fair, we probably should have written something shorter than, Dear Crash the Cosmic Crackshot, how are things going up there? Are you having a fun time on Saturn? Cool, well we just want to let you know that we're thinking about you and we think you're swell. Love, all of us here at Newton's Dark Room. We should have just written, like, we heart you. By the time it was all written out, it just read, Oom. The whole ordeal was very disappointing for everyone. We were tired, frustrated, and covered in glow stick goop. It felt like it was impossible for us to cheer up Crash. But that's when the mail came. Like most days, Ricardo the mailman rolled up on his jet ski and handed us a big old pile of junk mail. It was all garbage. Coupons for Arby's, coupons for Subways, coupons for Carl's Juniors. We were just about to throw it out when Sumpra saw something. It was an ad for an event coming up. A sporting event. A marble event. Now, if you know anything about Crash the Cosmic Crackshot, uh, aside from the fact that he's a giant space being, you know that he loves marbles. So much so that that's where he got his name. They don't call him Crackshot because of his curling expertise. There was absolutely no way Crash would pass up watching a game of marbles. We all knew what we had to do. We had to road trip up to Northern California, go to this marble tournament, get in the crowds right by the cameras, and hold up our We Love You Crash sign. It would get broadcast over ESPN The Ocho, be sent out into space, and picked up by Crash. He could see us and know that we care about him. 
We all gathered around a poster board with a plastic bin full of disorganized markers, and we drew and wrote messages and signed it until we had the best sign that would ever grace the camera. We grabbed the poster, got onto the boat, and made our way to the port. The road trip had begun. The first thing you notice about Central California is the vast amount of nothing. It started out as a lot of something as we exited the ferry on a port in Long Beach, rented a car, and drove north past Los Angeles. There's a lot of somethings in Los Angeles, but past that it starts to die down, like a gradient. Towering skyscrapers turn to suburban homes, which turn to ranch houses, which turn to broken down shacks. With 15 people cramped into a van, we were the largest population center for miles. And that's not to say there isn't life, though. Uh, to the contrary, there was a lot of life. Even though we hadn't seen a single human soul for hours, the plants were expansive. For miles and miles and miles, as far as we could see, there was rolling hills covered with almond trees and orange groves and vineyards. We never saw anyone working in the fields or any farmhouses for that matter, but there was plenty of plants. It was kind of comforting. This vast thriving nothing reminded me of the ocean surrounding the island. You don't see any people, just the rolling environment, and the knowledge that more is going on beneath the surface. Eventually, the gradient started turning back to the city. It started small with a few towns, tourist traps, and denny's, but eventually it became more. Smaller urban areas started sprouting up, little cities like Fresno. Eventually it all came flooding back as we approached one of the most densely packed areas in the United States. The Bay Area. The Marvels tournament was happening in San Mateo, a city just south of San Francisco. Parking was much more difficult than we could have possibly imagined. In order to save time and money, we decided to park in Pleasanton, which is about 40 miles east across the bay. We took public transportation the rest of the way, which of course had to take us up and around the whole bay, down through San Francisco and all the way through to San Mateo. For nearly three hours, all the humans of the Newton's Dark Room Collective were cramped side by side in Caltrain trains, BART subway cars, and little buses zooming around on the streets. We had our I love you crash signs sprawled out in our laps, oftentimes blocking our faces. We didn't want to fold it, so we held it open in all its glory. Every now and then, some elderly lady riding around would ask us what was going on, and we'd tell her. We had a friend, who we hadn't seen in a while, and we miss him. He loves marble, so we're going to the marble tournament in San Mateo to hold the signs before the camera. She'd say, oh, that's sweet, and then ask about our friend, and we'd explain that he was a giant space being hanging around Saturn, and she'd look a little confused. The elderly can be a little old-fashioned at times. After nearly four hours on the buses and trains, we arrived. We all exited in a hurry, filled with the newfound energy that comes from arriving at your destination. With a sign in hand, we rushed over to the marble tournament, hoping we weren't too late. We needed a good spot by the cameras. Much to our surprise, though, no one else was there. I mean, not no one, there were plenty of camera people and players, a few announcers, but there was no swarms of fans. This was confusing. Marbles is a hugely popular game. I remember sitting with my pops on the couch every Sunday as we watched Juan Polio dust off his iconic cat's eyes marbles back when he was playing for USC. My friends and I would get the jerseys of our favorite players and wear them while we knocked glass out on the basketball courts. But now, no one was here. Just the players and cameras. We walked over to the chalk circle, much to the confusion of everyone there. We explained we're Marbles fans and we're here to watch, cheer, and deliver a message to our friend. They were nice about it, very encouraging and supportive. 
I think they just wanted it to look more exciting on the screen. Unfortunately, there weren't any bleachers or anything, which I was kind of counting on. The camera shots were kept pretty tight on the little chalk circle. In order for our signs to be seen on the screen, we had to lie on the ground, flat on our stomachs a few feet away from the actual game. After much trial and error and crawling around on the asphalt, we found the sweet spot. We held up the signs and started screaming, we love you crash at the top of our lungs. In that moment, we weren't sure if our message had been delivered, but we had to believe that it was. We watched the rest of the games, cheering for Reem Katri, Crash's favorite marble player, and just enjoying the wonders of the greatest sport on earth. Afterwards, we thanked the crew and went to an impromptu meet and greet with the players. We got Reem to sign a t-shirt for Crash, and I got to meet Richie Polio, who was the son of Juan Polio, my favorite player growing up. It was encouraging to see Richie still involved with the sport, especially after the horrible marbles accident that led to his father's passing. Richie said that it was a hard loss, but he knew his dad died doing what he loved. Juan Polio passed that love on to his son, and now Richie is a well-respected marble competitor and a strong advocate for player safety. After all the festivities were done, we began the migration back to Pleasanton to our van. It was long and even more crowded due to the evening commute, but it was a little easier without our sign. On the drive back down, we played the license plate game, which Sumpra absolutely crushed at, and after hours and hours of driving, we got to my favorite part of the journey. Arriving home at about 5 p.m. on a Sunday evening. The setting sun painted the ocean in a golden light, the door creak welcomed us home, and we all fell into our beds, which felt much softer than normal. We didn't fall right asleep. Instead, we binged most of Undone on Amazon. But it was all a very lazy existence the rest of the day. Most of us were asleep by 8 o'clock. When I fall asleep early like that, I tend to wake up in the middle of the night. Most of the time I go back to sleep, but I was feeling a little restless, so I got up to use the restroom. That's when I saw the moon shining through the windows. It was bright, really bright, like a streetlight. I stepped outside to admire it all when I noticed something different. A few of the stars weren't the same as they were the night before. Those were Crash's stars, the ones he uses to adorn his body. The ones that moved were on his arm. They moved up, like he was waving. Like he was acknowledging us, or just saying thank you, or, or maybe hi. You just listened to Newton's Dark Room Presents. This episode was created and performed by Talon Stradley. You can find more information on this show, The Collective, and our other podcasts at newtonsdarkroom.com. You can also follow us on social media at Newton's Dark Room to stay up to date on whatever we're working on. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Broadcasting, this is Roger Bergato Fisher, Communications, Moonbase Theta. We are now at 20 weeks before base shutdown. In the first season of Moonbase Theta Out, Roger Bergato Fisher sent official reports on the base shutdown. In season two, we hear another side of the same story, where things get a lot more personal. With Gabrielle Tanico as Alessandra Bergato Fisher. I am not giving up, and I'm sure as hell not letting you give up on me. Tina Daniels as Wilder. Crush that pop can there for me. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Cass McPhee as Michelle Langlois. I'd love to see that calmly do a real day's work. Broadcasting, this is Roger Bergardo Fisher. Elisa Park as Nessa Chong. 
I love this place. I love the feel of it. I love what I've cultivated. Tozaman as Ashwini Ray and Jen Ponton as Tumnus. You did not program me to express dishonesty. It is my role to slowly seduce you into a little moral ambiguity. And of course, Lehman Kessler as Roger Bergato Fisher. They can take that list of new base directives and fold it until it's all corners and shove it right into their collective. Moonbase Theta Out Season 2, with new episodes every other Sunday. Moonbase Theta Out. Produced by Newton's Dark Room.